0: Well, good morning. I am glad to get to be with you, and uh, I understand we're live streaming this service. So the first service, I stood on the floor and ran around, but I understand I have to stand still. So you're all safe, no matter where you're sitting. I am uh, honored to get to be here. Do I have this on correctly? Yes, we're good? Okay. I am honored to get to be here, and it's a sacred trust, I know, um, for Pastor Roger, uh, who is a, a bit of a... hero in my mind anybody that will take on uh, Bob Caldwell and Brad Russell and Brett Jones I know all of those brothers and so uh, what a ministry you have here both of the people of this community and then those three guys, it's a, that's a lot to bear. So I didn't know how much we needed to be praying for you until I put all that together. And so we're going to move you up the prayer list. I just want you to know that. Um, I am actually totally kidding. I love all of those three guys like brothers. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in a minute. Because <laughs> I see some of you have your eyebrows down, you're angry, and you're ready to fight. I was just kidding. It was a joke. Just kidding about that. Some of you are laughing because you know Bob well enough to know what I'm talking about. But he and I have been friends, as he mentioned, for a long, long time. And uh, I consider it an honor uh, every time I get the chance to have an opportunity to talk about Jesus. And for your pastor, in his kindness and grace, to extend that invitation to me is certainly a sacred trust. And it's uh, it's just fun to get to be anywhere, isn't it? My mom used to say that all the time. Son, you'll get old enough one of these days. Well, you'll appreciate just being anywhere. And I I think I've reached that place already. I feel a little bit lonely. Uh, You all are incredibly friendly, and most of you are smiling, and so I feel at home. But I'd never feel at home when I'm away from my family, so I at least wanted you to see their faces. Uh, I have uh, three daughters and my spouse so I'm surrounded by women anybody can I get an amen are there any men who just have a special prayer time afterwards okay all right my wife got me a t-shirt for Father's Day that said outnumbered dad of girls I wear it as often as I can just to get the sympathy uh, that is necessary this is Alexandria she is eight she loves all things bugs and creatures and animals except for bees we found that out she's not a huge fan of snakes and I'm grateful for that Uh, She is uh, a thrill a minute, and these guys are all gonna be here in just a little while. She has a little sister, 14 months younger than her. Uh, She is Olivia, and this picture of her, that's Olivia uh, all the time. This is who she is. She is our water off a duck's back disposition. Nothing phases her. She loves everywhere we go all the time, and uh, is just a ball of energy. They have another little sister, and her name is Madeline. And uh, Madeline uh, just turned two not long ago. So Alexandria and Olivia are sisters. Uh, After five years in the uh, system uh, and a long, long process, uh, Alexandria and Olivia, one good thing came out of COVID. And that was uh, they finally were granted the opportunity to take on our name and we got to adopt them in October of last (laughs) year. And... Uh, And and, uh, although Madeline looks a lot like me, you understand, uh, she also uh, came to us. We got a phone call. We had given up, actually, for any of you who are in the process. uh, We had, after thousands of dollars and a long, long time of waiting and just having your heart jerked out and thrown on the floor and shoved back in, uh, we had given up. We washed our hands. We paid the fee one more time. And uh, five weeks later, we got a call, and we had 48 hours to make it to St. Louis to pick Uh, Madeline up and uh, welcome her into our home and so we finalized uh, the adoption with her in 2019 as well so that's what I'm surrounded by all the time the whole family as you will see my wife uh, uh, in many cases, maybe you uh, men have the same thing. People endure me just to get to be around my wife. Uh, she's the beloved one in our family, and uh, the girls are just awesome, and uh, she's going to do everything she can to try and get from uh, the hotel to here uh, for the next service, which will be a minor miracle uh, for us. But that is everyday life for us. Uh, we, we are unbelievably blessed, and we learn a lot every day. Uh, Uh, Madeline has just recently uh, learned the word no and so we've entered that era and uh, these sisters that are 14 months apart man COVID was uh, all kinds of challenges in it but at least they had built in partner whenever they were just alone and separated from everybody else it was great except they were together all the time (laughs) And, uh, and some of you experienced that too we went from having children to having children all the time. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, When we were home educated, they never left. They never left. We begged them. We left the doors unlocked, but they never left. And uh, they uh, kind of have a way of getting on each other's nerves. And one of the phrases that we're starting to use around our house a lot is, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. There's nothing you can say that we don't want to have the opportunity to communicate that we knew that already. And there's something that's inside of us that says that. I, I want you to know, you may end up saying that before we get done here today. I want to, uh, somebody came to me after the first service and said, I've never heard anybody that can talk as fast as Bob. And I just aspire to that. But I want you to know, I want us Uh, to go on a journey together quickly and by the time we get to the end it may be that you scratch your head and say um i knew that i've been around a church for a long long time i grew up right i have that a story of being in church since nine months before i was born and uh, it was a regular part of our family life we went sunday morning and sunday night and wednesday night back in the day we used to do that much less sunday night can you imagine that And I went on Monday night because that was visitation. I was an honorary member of the WMU. That met on Tuesday night. Some of you don't know what that is, but some of you will appreciate that. My mom took me to those meetings. They were on Tuesday night. A lot of times we'd have missionaries and people come in, speak on Thursdays and Fridays. I was there all the time. I didn't know any different. This was an experience that was normative for me. So as I grew up, I I have a great appreciation and love, much like you probably do for the Ridge Church. This church has a bit of a reputation. Did you know that? You have a little bit to live up to. I mean, I know you're sitting there right now evaluating me, but I just want you to know I'm doing the same thing with you, all right? So I've heard about what God is up to here and um, what is happening in the lives of people around and in this community, and it's unbelievably encouraging. And I was just kidding. I realized in the first service I was going to need to hold up a sign that said joke because they were not going over well. Uh, And so I'm hoping you all will come along with me for the ride just a little bit, all right? I, having been around the church all of my life, I've spent a lot of time hanging out with teenagers, college students, millennials, uh, and um, I've heard some things now more consistently recently. And maybe you can appreciate these things. I've heard from several who have expressed some confusion with what's happening in the church. I've heard some who have expressed disappointment because of past experience in the church. Has anybody ever heard this? or you experienced somebody in your neighborhood or community who just maybe hasn't had the experience you've had at the Ridge? Some who've been hurt, quite honestly, and it's a tough deal for them to get past. Some who've even gone as far with me to express frustration because for them, to the best of their ability, what they know as church or the experience that they've had has, has left them wanting. And it has led to some questions whenever people feel like they can be honest. of Like, Matt, why, why, would, I, why would I care about the mission of God? Why would, I, why would I care about what God is up to? What's the motivation to want to take part in the mission of that? Students who I've talked to, they hear about... All these high school students and middle school students are going to come this week and and be a part of serving all over in this community. They go, it doesn't register with them. They don't even get that or understand that. Why would I want to be a part of the body of Christ at the Ridge? I mean, I'm I'm curious. Maybe you could just catch me after the service and tell me this is why I'm a part of the body of Christ at the Ridge. But there's some other people that may have that question as well. Why would I want to have anything to do with religion? I've seen that. I would I want to have anything to do with Christians. I've seen how they act. Why would I, why would I want to have anything to do with the church? And I, I want to make a prediction. This may be the day you show up for the public gathering of the body of Christ here at the Ridge and be tempted to leave yourself saying, I knew that. Right? Just go ahead and get ready. We'll just practice. Just turn to the person next to you and say, I knew that. I knew that. Right? You're, you're going to say that here again in just a few minutes. But if we could for just a couple of minutes talk about those questions, I think they're important. I don't know that anybody in this room is asking them, but I think there's a lot of people you're gonna rub shoulders with when you leave this place that are asking this question. Why why would I care about what's happening at the Ridge? Why would I care about the mission of God? Why why would I wanna be a part of something like that? I have a very simple answer for you. I'm gonna give you the punchline right at the beginning, then you can cash out. Are you ready? Here's the why, Jesus, that's it, Jesus. You gotta gotta know Jesus. The point is Jesus. Jesus is the draw. Jesus is the attraction. Jesus is the point. A while back, I was a part of a meeting with a group of people who were exploring the life of Jesus, had some questions about it, and they wanted to explore his call To people to become followers of his and so what we did was we decided to just um, read the Gospels these first four books in the New Testament that really are the recounting the retelling of the life and ministry of the life of Jesus Matthew Mark Luke and John right so we kind of gave everybody an assignment and I had the assignment ultimately to read the Gospel of Mark which I read several times in the process now I just want to prepare you I don't know if you have a Bible read the Bible Uh, reference the Bible. I'm assuming your pastor preaches from the Bible. Is Is that a fair assessment? You guys are familiar with this book, all right, so maybe you have one. I see some of you smiling, you're coming along. Some of you are still not sure, and I just want you to know I already have a full-time therapist, all right, so uh, but if you have a Bible, maybe you will pull it out because I want you to verify this. Just follow along with me. You, as you do that, you may want to reach down there in the pew, grab the buckle, pull it across, buckle up because we're going to cover some ground, and I want to invite you to listen because I discovered something as I was walking through this experiment, right? This is kind of a experiment with this group of people. I just read the gospel of mark over and over and the idea was to listen as we read for themes and and i believe because of what the bible says about itself that the holy spirit is present right here and right now and he has something he wants to say to you and it may be different than what he wants to say to the person next to you and you may hear something you think the person next to you needs to hear and you may be tempted to let them know that but but the real key is for you to listen to what the holy spirit wants to say to you are you ready for this All right. I don't think so, but we're going to try it anyway. All right, so we're going to cover about eight chapters And I know that makes many of you very nervous But you just stick with me because we're going to move fast in mark chapter 1 Jesus arrives in galilee proclaiming the gospel of god I was just sitting with a brother who'd been in church for 35 years And then as we were reading through mark we got to mark at the right there kind of in the middle And he said now wait a minute Jesus came declaring the gospel of God. Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't come back to life yet. How could Jesus be talking about the gospel? Are you tracking with me? Because he had the gospel as Romans 3.23 for all of sin and fall short of the glory. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9, and 10, right? If we'll confess our sins. Uh, Romans, or John 3, 16, right? He, he knew a presentation of the gospel that included a select portion of the life of Jesus, but it blew his mind when Jesus, before he died, was declaring the gospel, and he stopped me, and he said, wait, what's this gospel? If the gospel is not what I've believed for so long, then what is the gospel that he's preaching? And I know you're thinking, that's a setup question, you're gonna give us the answer, and I'm not. You're gonna have to go read it for yourself. But Jesus declared the gospel, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In verses 16 through 20, Jesus calls some fishermen, and he invites them to do something. Does anybody know what he invited them to do? Two words, starts with F, rhymes with T. He says, follow me, right? Are you gonna keep asking us questions? I am, all right? First, right there in chapter 1, verses 21 through 28, we see Jesus teaching in the synagogue. And you know what happened whenever Jesus taught in the synagogue? All of the people were astonished. I'm not asking you to do this for me. I'm just saying next week when you come in, search the room and look for the faces that look astonished. Have you done this lately? I have this secret dream of sneaking into churches and hiding in the baptistry and videotaping us while we're worshiping. And then just creating a compilation video and showing it to us later. And just asking us, as we worship the living God of the universe who made all things, right, and taken our life and transferred it from death to life, I just want to look at us while we're singing those songs to him. And this is just my twisted So, I I apologize. You're thinking, why is Roger letting you preach? You should actually just go get some help. But I I think this in my head. God, what is it that you're after in this regard? And how did we get from Mark chapter 1 to where we are today? I think it's a worthwhile question. When we see Jesus teaching, it says the people were astonished. And then Jesus healed a demon-possessed man. And all the people at the church house that day were amazed. And Jesus' fame began to spread everywhere. Everybody knew who he was. We're only in chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. All the sick, those who were oppressed by demons, were brought to Jesus. The whole city gathered at the door to see who? Jesus. Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out demons, verses 40 through 45. Jesus has compassion for a leper, and he heals him. We're already to chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12, Jesus heals a paralytic. This is an awesome story, right? There's a packed out crowd to hear Jesus already. We're just in chapter 2, but they've come to hear him preach the word, proclaim the gospel. And there were some friends who had a sick friend, and they were trying to get him to Jesus. But the crowd was too big. There were so many people, they couldn't even get to the door of the house. So they took him up on the roof, they tore a hole, and they lowered their friend down in the middle of the room in order for him to get to who? Jesus, right? I'm not going to trick you, by the way, and substitute a name in later. You can just go ahead and get comfortable with saying Jesus. It's the answer to the question, right? Second grade boys Sunday school class, have you heard about this? Teacher was standing in front of the second grade boys Sunday school class and said, boys, what's brown? Furry, has a long tail, stores up nuts in the winter. Got blank stares all the way around the room. Finally, one little boy raised his hand and said, "Um, I squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's the answer today So I just wanted you to know There's no zinger coming later I'm not going to lead you into a, another question Jesus meets needs Jesus forgives sins And you might say Well Matt you don't know me And you're right I don't And you don't know me You may say I, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I, I'm on par with a whole other level of sinner I, I, I know my story And it can't be possible For Jesus to to actually forgive me and I just want to say to you oh really <laughs> well then obviously you haven't read the gospel of Mark right because in Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 or Mark chapter 2 verses 13 through 17 we see Jesus invite Levi Matthew a, a hated person in community a tax collector he invites him to come and follow him and Levi doesn't know any better he doesn't try and get his friends to come to the synagogue he just brings Jesus to his house he didn't know any better than to do this right and, and it's probably because he knew those people that were associates of his there's no way they were ever gonna come into a, a place like this because they they knew they weren't welcomed in a place like that and so he just said Jesus why don't you come hang out at my house with my friends and so Jesus did This and in verse fifteen of chapter two, as he reclined at table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And there were some religious leaders standing around, and, and they saw that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, and they asked his disciples, Why? That can't be right. That's not appropriate. Why is he doing these kinds of things? And Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I came to hang out with the outcast and the tax collector and the sinner. This is exactly who Jesus goes to and invites into relationship with him. We're going all the way to chapter 5 to see that Jesus heals a man with a demon who lived out among the tombs. No one could bind this man. No shackles or chains could hold him. Nobody had the strength to subdue him. It's an unbelievable story. Night and day is this man out crying and screaming and cutting himself. And then Jesus arrives and everything changes and he heals him, and people find out that this guy, who they knew about, who was the most jacked up guy in the community, something had changed about him, and they come out, because they heard the story, and they couldn't believe it was true, and they wanted to see it with their own eyes, and they come out and see, in verse 15, they came to Jesus, and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed, and in his right mind, and their response was, they were afraid And this man begs to go with Jesus. But Jesus sends him on a mission to tell everybody else what he had done for him. The question for you is, are you shackled and chained today? Are you in pain, lost, crying out, in a place of desperation, cutting yourself? Jesus meets needs. Jesus heals. Jesus forgives sins. The sermon that I'll never get to preach the next time I come back is, Jesus is famous for inviting those who have the absolute worst qualifications to be his greatest ambassadors. The people that have the worst qualifications are the people that Jesus calls. You see in verse 53 through 56 of chapter 6 that Jesus heals the sick in the region of Gennesaret. In chapter 7, Jesus heals a Gentile woman's daughter and he heals a deaf man with a speech impediment. I, I was just reading through this over and over again, and, and somehow these had become pictures on a wall and a far distant story of a far distant person, and somehow they started to come to life for me as I read page after page after page of these kinds of stories of who Jesus is and what he did. Jesus makes the deaf hear. He makes the mute speak. And you know what the people responded with? They were astonished, the word says saying he does all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, a great crowd of people are following Jesus, and they had nothing to eat. He calls his disciples together. There's a problem here, right? There's some of us that are already thinking right now about what we're going to eat. Madeline says all the time, as soon as she wakes up, three words, eat, 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 eat. That's what she says because she's ready. So, good, we know a few words now, like apple is bop-bop, and yo-yo is yogurt, and we're, I'm grateful that we can meet that need, but imagine these brothers who are out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, there's a great crowd of people, and they are all hungry, and they have nothing to eat, and Jesus gets the guys together and says, I have compassion on this crowd, and he feeds 4,000 people. Because why? Because Jesus meets needs. Jesus provides food. We get to chapter 8, verse 27. And Jesus pauses and he asks these guys who've been following, Who do you, who do people say that I am? And I I don't know how this went down. I just know that they 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 mentioned John the Baptist. Maybe you're Elijah come back, one one of the prophets. Jesus said, more importantly, here's here's my question for you, and here's the question for you and me today. Who do you say that I am? You're getting that question too. who who do you say that I am? And Peter, in a moment of divine inspiration, says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the promised one. You're the one we've been waiting for. You are the king. If you keep reading in Matthew, what you're gonna discover is there's a whole lot more in Mark, sorry, in a whole lot more. There's more in Matthew too. But in Mark, you're gonna discover there's more compassion, when he heals a, a boy possessed by a spirit, you're gonna realize there's more invitations to little children to come to him. There's there's more love, even for those who love the stuff of earth, more than they love him, Jesus loves still. There's there's more patience with close followers of his who wanna fight over status and power and argue about who's the greatest in the kingdom. There's, there's more attention for those cast out by society and left to beg. There's more honor for those forgotten by society who, who actually outgive all the people with all of the resources that live in that society. There's there's more grace and love for those who deny Jesus, who betray Jesus, who run away from Jesus. This is who Jesus is. This is how he lived. This is how he loves. Jesus is the draw. He's the main attraction. He is the point. He is healer and savior and deliverer and Lord and friend and king. And Jesus is amazing. My confession to you today is that it's possible to get wrapped up in the mechanics of the mission and miss the point. It's possible. And I've lived this for a a couple of years, so it's kind of near and dear to my heart. It's possible to think that the mission is to get to church. And I want you to know something. I don't know that there's a more valuable experience in the life of the believer than the gathered body of Christ proclaiming and declaring the goodness and the glory of God. But I want you to know something else. Confusing this experience with the mission is the same as the traveler who gets to the airport and thinks they've arrived at the destination. That's not the point. It's not the point to get there. There's a whole other destination in mind for us. And I just wanted to say to you, it's possible to get to church and still miss the mission. It's possible to forget or ignore or or deny or even disobey. And I, I want you to know that I know this from personal experience. Um... I mentioned earlier that I grew up in church, and the story I'm about to tell is no reflection on those people who poured into and invested in my life because God's work through them has come to fruition. This is a story about what I missed along the way. I graduated from high school and I went off to the higher educational learning institution in Hillsborough, Missouri called Jefferson College and i was there for a year and then i transferred to southeast missouri state in i'm sorry i already started to wander i'm supposed to stay in the box uh, i transferred to southeast missouri state in cape Girardo. and i didn't know any better than to go show up at the baptist student union you've ever heard of these things and that's when i met a guy named mike perry and under his leadership and influence he's still a dear brother to this day Uh, I got involved in that work there and early on in my connection there they started talking about taking students on a retreat and I love the idea of that I love the idea of that because mostly what I heard when they talked about it was that there was going to be food and there were going to be girls that was really the draw for me I just want you to know I hope I've matured some since those days but I was pretty shallow at that stage of the game and I heard those two things and I said sign me up I don't want to stay here I'm not going to study That's not what college is for so let's go on a retreat so I went on this retreat and I had uh, my thought in mind of what was gonna happen here and I was busy about making my connections and then in the middle of this retreat they decided they were gonna drop some guy who was gonna lead us in singing some songs and then they invited this other guy in to talk to us right and I thought I can survive that I've heard this all before I already know this stuff right I mean, how many collective Sunday school lessons do you think this group of people right here has heard? Bajillion? How many sermons do you think we've all heard? Right? How, how many have we put into action? That's a whole other But But yeah. I, I sat down for the devotional time, and I was kind of tuning out until this guy started talking. And then when he started talking, I was sucked in. I'm telling you, this is no reflection on anybody else. This is where God had my heart. But as this guy began to talk about Jesus, he was talking about Jesus that I was unfamiliar with. Right, my Jesus was kind of safely tucked away. He was kind of an FCA, I'll give a tip of the hat, nod to Jesus, this is my experience. He's not really in control of my life kind of Jesus, but I'm, I'm gonna go to church on weekends and I'm gonna try not to use profanity and I'm gonna, you know, all of the list of rules that I had, that, that was the kind of Jesus that I was knowing and worshiping at that stage of the game. But when this guy started talking about Jesus, something started happening inside of me because when he talked about Jesus, he talked as if he actually knew him, Right? You ever been around somebody like this? Like when they talk about Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm not connecting. He's talking as if he had a conversation with him today or just a few minutes ago. And then he's talking about the things that he's doing in his life and the change that it's bringing about. And I went from laid back, casual observer to leaned in trying to, he, to, to really connect with what this guy was saying. And the, the great thing about the retreat was, this was a guy later that I was talking to out on the basketball court or we were just kind of hanging out, walking or, or, or talking about the things that he was saying and we struck up a friendship. Later, I decided that there was a girl that I wanted to uh, pursue, and she was at the same university where this guy was. So I called him up, kind of really out of the blue, and said, hey, I'm coming there. I'm hoping to, you know, use all the skills of woo that I have, uh, but I need a place to stay. Would you mind if I came and stayed with you? He said, oh yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize I was taking my life in my hands when I did that, but I got there and his place left a little be desired. It was a mobile home. it, it, it hadn't been cleaned in a while and he walked me in to where I was gonna sleep and this was before the days of futons. He just walked over to the couch and he pulled the bottom out and the back just fell down and then a cloud of dust came up and he said, here's where you'll be sleeping. But I didn't care because I was in college. I mean, I hadn't slept on sheets and I don't even know how long. So uh, I threw my bag down there and, and uh, I went out and uh, did my best to try and you know, gain the attention and affection of this girl and then uh, I came back to his trailer at about 11.30 that night. And uh, 11.30 at night in the life of a college student, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, right? And so it, we were like, well, what, what are we gonna do now? And uh, I said, man, your town, what do you wanna do? He said, oh, no, 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 you're the guest. And so you, you tell me what you wanna do. And I said, listen, I, Bol- have you been to Bolivar? <laughs> Sorry if you're from Bolivar, right? I mean, it's not like there's a long laundry list of things to do right here in Bolivar. I said, so you're gonna have to tell me. He said, well, I tell you what let's do, Lynn. Uh, let's, uh, let's go down to the square and tell people about Jesus. Uh, that, that, that wasn't even in my top 10 list of things that I wanted to do. But I couldn't say no. So I went out and got in the car and we drove down to the square. He barely got out of the car when people started yelling his name. Hey, hey! Hey! Hey, I, we started talking to people on the sidewalk. Everyone that he talked to, he would talk to about Jesus. I was like this having an out of body experience, standing close to him but not knowing what to do. Because everywhere we went, he talked to people. It, w- it was unbelievable to me. And, and, and I kind of felt lost in the moment. I, I grew up in a Baptist church, and there were places that you didn't go. There were people you didn't talk to, and things you didn't do. Does anybody know that list of rules? I hadn't ever been in any of those kinds of places. But when I was with this guy, we went down to the square, and he took me in the first bar I ever went in. I never dared darken the door. I'm like, my mom's going to find out about this. I'm 20 at the time, but I knew she was going to know. We walked in there, and we walked into the bar. Everybody there knew him, too. They started yelling out his name. Hey! Hey! Hey, hey, hey. well, glad you're here. They started calling him nicknames, quite honestly. They started calling him like Rev and, hey, preacher man, right? And uh, the bartender put a glass of milk up on the bar, and we're playing pool, and he's having conversations with all these people. And I, 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 I had no idea what to say in the moment, and it wasn't very long before we were over in the corner at a wooden chair on our knees, and a guy was giving his life to Jesus. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. That's no reflection on any of the people who poured their lives into me. I had somehow missed it. We went back out, got in his car, drove back to his trailer. I didn't know what to say, so I just didn't say anything. Tried to change the subject. Slept, got up, next night, same routine. Went, tried to use all my skills to woo the affection, and back at his trailer at 11.30, he said, hey, what do you want to do? I said, watch movies. (laughs) (laughs) I was ready that night. He said, "Uh, I don't think so. I think we're going to go down to the square and tell people about Jesus. So we got back in his car, drove back down to the square. He walked around. Everybody knew him. We got back in his car, drove back to his trailer and I couldn't contain it anymore. I, I just started to weep because I was so under conviction. We walked into his trailer. The door closed behind me. Not very impressive. I don't really know this guy very well and I'm just standing there crying. This is not the way guys generally you know, connect. And uh, he came over to me and I'm just kind of standing there in the middle of the room, dumbfounded. And he put his arm around me. And as I'm sobbing and just kind of put my head down into his shoulder, he leaned down and whispered. He said, Matt, you're the most sorry, pathetic, no good excuse for a Christian I've ever met. <laughs> That's not what he said. That's not what he said at all. This would be a terrible story if that's what he said in that, that moment right there. No, you want to know what he said? He said, it's okay. It's okay. But you know what I knew? It wasn't okay. It wasn't right. And the Lord said to me, you love me. I know that. But somehow, Matt, you've managed to spend years going to church and you thought that was the mission. I spent years not going anywhere to tell anyone on purpose with any kind of intent about Jesus. I spent years not even having conversations about bringing them to Jesus. And I'd never seen anything like this in my life. In all of my attendance in church, and my attendance at activities, and my attendance at programs and services, I had somehow missed or overlooked or forgotten the simple truth that the hope that we have is in Jesus alone. The purpose that we have is found in Jesus. The answer that we have is Jesus. Deliverance in our life comes from Jesus. Freedom is provided in our life by Jesus. Unconditional love comes to our life by Jesus. The person that people need to meet is not me. They need to meet Jesus. They need to see Jesus. The place that people need to go is wherever Jesus is. The only real answer to all of life's questions and challenges is Jesus. I don't get to tell that story often, and I'm sure you won't be surprised to know that 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 person was Bob Caldwell. And so I hope you know the love and affection that I have for that man and his family. And my testimony to you is that my story, the only thing that's of value in my story is the goodness of Jesus and of who he is and what he's done and how he's changed my life. Jesus has loved me through abuse and loss and mistakes and family brokenness and fear and health scares and accusations and depression and disappointment and betrayal. Matt, can it simply be as simple as as following Jesus, knowing Jesus, obeying Jesus, living and loving like Jesus? I preached a sermon not long ago. Someone came to me afterwards to offer the following critique. It's a good sermon, but um, I feel like you said the name of Jesus too much. Is that who we've become? Is this what we are? If it is, God help us. Because Jesus is the point. Jesus is the draw. Jesus is the attraction. The way we come to Jesus is the way we come to God. And Jesus is the way God comes to us. Not first one and then the other, but both of them at the same time. The way of Jesus cannot be reduced to information or instruction. The way is a person whom we follow and believe in. He is God with us. Your job, my job, is to live for Jesus, imitate Jesus, worship Jesus, help people see Jesus. When people meet me, it ought to be like meeting Jesus. (laughs) When people come to the ridge, when they walk through the doors, they ought to encounter Jesus. I mean, for Pete's sake, when they hit the parking lot, maybe when they get within three-mile radius, they ought to experience Jesus. When I interact with my wife and my children, it ought to be like they are interacting with Jesus When my neighbors see me in the yard with the girls, they ought to see me interact and talk with them just like Jesus would. When I travel to St. Louis and see friends and have an opportunity to challenge and encourage student missionaries, the primary objective is to radiate and to reflect Jesus into the lives of everyone I come in contact with. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the li- follow me, walk like me, talk like me, think like me, act like me, be like me. If people can just see who Jesus really is, I believe that will make all the difference. somehow, We've gotten to a place where Jesus needs our help or it's Jesus plus this or it's Jesus in addition to this. And I just want to say to you, dear friends, I think Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And the message from Mark and from those who followed Jesus and recorded the activity and the life and the ministry of Jesus in the gospel of Mark, what they saw was Jesus meet needs, Jesus heal, Jesus provide, Jesus forgive our sin, Jesus invite people to repent, and to believe. When they discovered that Jesus is the way, and the who, and the how of life, Jesus is the point, the way, the truth, and the life, and the best news I have to tell you is Jesus loves you. In fact, he knows everything about you, and he still loves you. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So I made a prediction earlier that you'd probably turn to the person next to you and say, well, I don't know if this is necessary because I already knew that. But I want you to ask yourself another question. When you get ready to walk out these doors and go back to your neighborhood, who is it that you know that doesn't know that? And why don't they? Because you live right next door. And it may be that the invitation for today as you walk out the door is uh, just to hear that voice in the back of your head. Say, listen, I know lunch is coming or another class is coming or there's all kinds of other things already on the agenda. But I've been miserable for years, since 1988. So you may as well join me in my misery of having this little voice in the back of your head ask you to, hey, what are we gonna do today? Go home, watch the game, eat the lunch, take the nap. What are we gonna do? What are you gonna do today? i tell you what let's do. Let's go back to our neighborhoods. (laughs) Tell people about Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, would you help us to not only know and recognize and receive your love and you're so good. You're so good. We sang those words. You've been so good to us. What choice do we have but to love you back? God, today, would you put inside of our hearts the very next thing you want us to do and would you give us the courage, the boldness, to, uh, to now declare, to live out, to demonstrate what a follower of Jesus looks like. Would you help us by your power and your strength to see and hear and know those are around us, to meet needs, to help, to provide, to share the good news of the gospel in whatever way you've designed us to do so. Father, would you give us the courage to do that today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.